Luke records these words in Luke chapter 24. Very early on the first day of the week at dawn, the women came to the tomb bringing in the spices they had prepared. It was very early and they, they arrived before dawn, which means that they, that they drug their bodies out of the bed, as John says in John chapter 20, while it was still dark. Quick question, what do you think the what do you think the Jesus followers, and not just the ones who got out of bed, but even the ones who couldn't get out of bed, what thoughts do you think they were thinking on that Sunday morning before the sun rose? I think they were pretty bummed out. I think they had lost hope. I think that their dreams felt crushed. I think that they wondered not what is the point, but is there even a point anymore? They found the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, hey, where'd it go? Two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them. The women were very afraid and bowed their heads to the ground. The men said, why are you looking for a living person in this place for the dead? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Do you remember what he told you in Galilee? He, he said the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful people, uh, be crucified, and rise from the dead on the third day. Then the women remembered what Jesus had said. The women left the tomb, which is a good, which is a good idea, right? I mean, uh, the living have no place being in a place that's meant for the dead. And they told all these things to the 11 apostles and the other followers. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and some other women who told the apostles everything that had happened at the tomb, but they did not believe the women because it sounded like nonsense. And really, Jesus' story, if you think about it, a holy God that created everything, putting on flesh and dying on a cross, I mean, if, if God didn't reveal that to us, we would have never been able to make it up. It's too incredible. It sounds like nonsense. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending down, looking in, he saw only the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. Peter went away to his home, wondering about what had happened. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity, God, to come into your presence and to celebrate the, the greatest act in all of human history and and God, I, I pray that, that Easter, that the resurrection of your son, it, it comes off the pages of the Bible and off the pages of history and that it invades this room today, that it invades our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. God, I, I pray that we will hear um, this, uh, this familiar story, God, with fresh eyes. And, and God, enable me to hear it even as I speak about it. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here. In Jesus' name. Amen. And they were looking for Jesus who was crucified. And now the crucifixion, that, that was Friday. But listen, from the very moment that the Roman soldier pounded the first nail into the flesh of God, Sunday was coming. And on Sunday morning, the earth began to shake and the stone was rolled away as Jesus, with great power, burst forth from the grave, maple grove, 
the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The enemy has been defeated. Death has lost its sting. Mercy has been unleashed. Hope has been renewed. Darkness has been and will always be beaten back by the Son. His perfect love for God so loved the world, his perfect love could not be overcome. Why are you looking for a living person and a place for the dead? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Uh, now, now understand that, that Jesus said that, uh, that this, that, that, that what happened on that first Easter weekend, the betrayal, the, the, the arrest, the denials, the crucifixion, his death and his resurrection, he said it was going to happen. I mean, when Jesus came into Jerusalem to begin his ministry after overturning uh, the tables and driving out the money changers, he, he said in John chapter 2, destroy this temple, talking about his body, and I will build it up in how many days? Three days. He said in Matthew 12, verse 40, uh, to some religious leaders who were challenging him after he had cast out a demon, he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And, and Jesus said to his guys as he prepared to go to Jerusalem for the last time, after he got that identity thing, you know, who am I squared away? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to them, he said, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And I must be killed on the third day be raised to life. I understand from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end of his ministry, Jesus said that, that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would rise again. And he also said that his resurrection would be irrefutable proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in the flesh, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the savior king, the great I am. And in John 16, on the way to the garden, Jesus said this to his guys. <clears throat> I have told you these things to keep you from what? Keep you from giving up. Listen, church, whenever you feel like giving up, whenever you, whenever you, you feel like throwing in the towel, whenever you feel like this world is too much for you, remember who Jesus is and remember what Jesus did so that you will not give up. Check out these words that Paul penned to the church in Rome. He was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. Understand, Jesus' resurrection is meant to remove any doubt whatsoever as to who Jesus is. Maple Grove, it's Easter 2015. And I declare to you this very day, based on the authority of Scripture and the testimony of history, that the Jesus that we love, the Jesus that we follow, the Jesus that we, we serve, the Jesus that we sang to this morning, the Jesus that we gathered in this place to honor and worship, is not just, it's not just a prophet, it's not just a, a, a good teacher, it's not just a really nice guy. Jesus is he's God. He's the, he is the great I am. He is the alpha and omega. He, he is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all that we see. He is before all things. He's over all things. And Jesus holds all things together. And listen, if Jesus holds all things together, like 
Like he's holding this earth right now in its orbit, right? Like he's like doing that. Can anybody here do that? I don't think so. If Jesus can hold billions of galaxies together, then I think he can hold our lives together. Maple Grove, Jesus is huge, he's holy, he's mighty. Jesus, he's God. And because he's God, that means that Jesus has all the answers. It means that Jesus can deliver what he promised, that Jesus can bring peace to any conflict, that Jesus can conquer any problem. It means that Jesus can calm any storm, defeat any enemy. It means that what Jesus said is true, and it means that what Jesus said he would do he will do or already has done. And man, those truths never do get old. Are you kidding me? Jesus is God and Jesus is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. And listen, Jesus, he wants you and he wants me and he wants the person to your right and left and to those people you are slapping high fives to, to be alive, to to be fully alive. And in fact, Jesus said, I've come to this world not to beat you up and beat you down, not to make it hard and difficult, but to give you life, life in all its fullness. Now, now I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie, The Last, uh, I mean, the, The Passion of the Christ. But one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene between Mary and Jesus as Jesus carries the cross, our cross, through the streets of Jerusalem. And, and, and Mary, she, she's watching in the distance, right? And she's watching her son, you know, the one that grew inside of her, the one that she held in her arms. And she's watching in the distance as he drags his cross around, and, 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 and she sees Jesus fall, and, and she runs out to him. And as she's running out to him, she gets this flashback of a time when he was a toddler and he fell. And she gets up to Jesus, and, and, and as she gets close, Jesus looks at her and says, Mother, I am making all things new. Now, I have no idea if anything like that actually happened. I don't know. It could have. But here's what I do know. I, I do know that as Jesus drove that cross through the streets of Jerusalem, I know that Jesus knew without any doubt whatsoever that his death, his burial, and his resurrection would make all things new would change absolutely everything. Understand, Easter is so much more than some event that happened a long time ago. It's, it, it's so much more than getting a little more dressed up. I'm wearing khakis today, man. Look at me. I'm, you know, it's pitiful when people say, wow, you look dressed up today. You know, seriously. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> it... it, it, it it's, it's so much more than, than, than peeps and chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs in the front yard. Though I have absolutely nothing against those things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk. I like to throw things in church. All right? I, I got some peeps out here. Anybody like some peeps? All right. Got some blue peeps? Some, any peeps over here? Woo! All right. All right. I, I got here a marshmallow bunny. Those are the best, right? Okay. Gentiles baseball coach, right there. There you go. All right. I have here a little chocolate bunny. Oh, oh you know. 
That would have been so wrong. So wrong. So wrong. I have another little bunny here. And I have peeps. Peeps. <laughs> and a skittle egg. This, I, I need someone very talented here. Ryan, you got me, brother? All right. Because that could hurt so much. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Hmm? I had a baby. <laughs> hey, let's erase that from the tape. I have, I deny any knowledge. I do not recall ever throwing out peeps and hitting a baby in church. All right, I don't think that happened. <laughs> peeps are soft. And those things are fun, but you know what Easter means? It means that all things can be made new. And I'm not just talking about being made new sometime in the distant future when life is over. Instead, it's about all things being made new in our present, in our here, and in our now. After all, that was the message that rang out from the early church as it exploded from the pages of the New Testament and the pages of human history. In Acts 5, after the apostles were broken out of jail, uh, the angels told them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people this full message of this new life. What kind of life? A a new life. And and Paul said in, in Romans chapter 6, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, what? A new life. Question, could you use some new in your life? And why do we need, or why do we want something new? Because what we currently got (laughs) has gotten old, it's worn out, it's busted it's broken okay what's the one thing right now in your life that if you could have a new one you would go get it and may and maybe it's new i don't know maybe a new phone a new dishwasher a new car a new laptop a new house a new tv a, a new iphone watch seriously I, I i want you to think about that you know what is the one thing if you could you would replace it with something new. What's the one thing, if you could, you would replace it with something new? Do you have it? And a count of three, I want you to be thinking about it. Shout out that thing that you would replace with something new on a count of three. One, two, three. Okay. I, I think I heard new pastor somewhere over there. I, I think it was, that, that's just not nice. No, I... I I don't know, but my, my guess is that if we were being honest, we, we might say something other than what we just called out. I mean, maybe we would say a, a new spouse or a new child, or maybe you'd say a new job, a new, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you would say a, a, a new purpose. Maybe you would say a new hope because you just feel pretty discouraged lately. Maybe you would say a, a new passion because you're finding it really hard to be motivated and find a reason to get out of bed. Maybe you'd say a new beginning. Maybe you would say a whole new life. Understand that's really what Easter is all about. Easter is all about bringing to God something that is old and broken and busted and dead 
and God giving us back something that is new and alive. Easter is all about us bringing something to God that is old and broken and busted and dead, and God giving us back something that is new and alive. Get it? Good. All right, now, one of my favorite passages about new is in the Old Testament. And remember the Old Testament, it, 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 remember the Bible, if we were to give the Bible a, a name, it would, a title, it would just be four simple words, right? The coming of Christ. And the Bible really just has three chapters. It's not that complicated, though there's some complicated things in there. And, and chapter one of the Bible is all the Old Testament, and the message is what? Christ is coming. Uh, the Gospels, chapter 2, right, is Christ is here. And then chapter 3 of the Bible is the rest of the New Testament, which is Christ is coming again. And, and that's really what the entire Bible is about. And so here's this passage I really love about new. It's, it, it's, it's found in the Christ is coming section of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah writes, I am, God writes, through Isaiah, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army, and reinforcements together. And, sorry. And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Okay, let's pause for a second. Do you, do you see what God is doing? He's reminding his people of what he has already done, reminding them of who he is so that they will trust in, in what he's about to tell them. Who am I? I'm the great I am. I'm your creator. I'm your king. And what have I done? I, I, I parted waters and delivered you, my people, from a powerful enemy that was out to destroy you. You, you know who I am. You, you've seen what I've done. And then he goes, uh, but forget about all that. Forget about what? For, forget about that incredible event that we still talk about, that they still, you know, that they still make movies about. You say, hey, forget about, forget about that deliverance. Forget about Moses and parting the seas. Why? Because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's like God is saying, hey, if you think that deliverance was awesome, if you think that was freedom and redemption, just wait until you see what happens when the Messiah comes. Just wait until you see uh, when, when he comes. And listen, he's coming. And, and, and when he comes to bring deliverance and redemption and freedom, you know, my God would say my 1970s prophets, Bachman Turner Overdrive, were right, right? You ain't seen nothing yet, right? Nothing. But forget about all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do a brand new thing. And remember, God doesn't have a, a clock like we do. See, it's already begun. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. You see, in his new deliverance, it's going to be a total deliverance, right? Physically and spiritually. <clears throat> We're not going to wander around like they had to do after the first deliverance in a desert wasteland, and instead those desert wastelands will be flowing with streams of water and will no longer be a wasteland. I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, it's already begun. Now it springs up. And now for us who are 2,000 years on this side of the resurrection, that new thing has been flowing for 2,000 
2,000 years. And this morning, Easter Sunday, Jesus is offering to everybody in this room, he wants to make all things new. He, he wants to give you a new position. He wants to give you a, a new perspective, a new power, and a new purpose. Quick question, have you ever been in a bad position? Holding a bill you couldn't pay? Getting a doctor's report you'd rather not hear? Working at a place you'd rather not be? Being in a relationship that is not working so well? A few years ago, I found myself in a very bad position, a very awkward position. I found myself in the stall of a woman's restroom. And I didn't know it until I saw high heels underneath the door and heard ladies' voices. I was terrified. And I had to wait for the voices to stop so I could get out of there and hopefully not be busted as a creeper, right? <laughs> and to this very day, like 10 years later, when I walk into bathroom, I'm looking for urinals every single time, man. <laughs> it's like, I, 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 that, that was a bad position to be in. Uh, this week, I grabbed some images of people who are in a bad position. Here, uh, that, that, that looks, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be her. How about this one right here? Come back, come back. That's the Patriots. Look, I love that. All right. That's not ever been, raise your hand, ever been in that position? Anybody like that? All right. Yeah. Uh, we got a brother over there who's actually the guy usually standing outside the car, you know, Alan. Okay, here's another very bad position, right? Here's this guy. Quick, get this picture so we can get it up on Instagram. I think the tornado's about to kill me, all right? Uh, the Japanese prime minister many years ago was in a bad position when our president barfed on him. You know, you know when someone pukes on you, that's a bad position. And here's the coyote, right? That's, that's just not good, right? Okay, I, I'm being choked and I'm being dropped, right? A bad position. And, and I understand, Jesus offers us a new position and we really need a new position because our old one was not so good. Here's how scripture describes it. It says, you used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you as enemies and you did evil things. We are far from God. We were God's enemies. And Paul says in Ephesians, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath. Later down in Ephesians 2, he says, you were separate from God, excluded without hope and without God. Dead, objects of wrath, excluded, without hope, without God. Yet yeah, to say that our old position was not so good is a serious understatement. Now, that's the bad news. That's the pre-God's brand new thing springing up news. And the good news is that God's son put on flesh 2,000 years ago to make all things new, and our new position is beyond awesome. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, and not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's masterpiece. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Our new position is we are, we are alive in Christ. We are recipients of God's mercy and God's grace, and we're no longer an object of wrath, but we are, are actually God's masterpiece. In Colossians 1, 22, it says, but his son became a human and died, so God made peace with you, and, and now he lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy and faultless and innocent. Maple Grove, Jesus Christ came to give us a new position. He came to take what was fallen and broken and make it new. And why would he do that? Because he loves us so much and because he is so rich in mercy and in grace. Check out this video right here about how God wants to put our broken lives back together. Are you kidding me? That's, that's what God did? That, that's what God did for us? You know, Jesus wants to give us a, a new position. He, he wants to make us right with God. He wants to, uh, and, and so the question is, you know, how do we move into this new position? And we see in Scripture that when we in faith and repentance are baptized, we move into this new position. Paul says in Galatians 3.27, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. See, our, our, our new position, it is in Christ, and in Christ is a, a great place to be because in Christ is salvation, in Christ is eternal life, in Christ we are a new creation, in Christ there is now no condemnation. And Jesus also wants to give us a new perspective. A perspective is a way of, of regarding situations, facts, and judging their relative importance. It's to have the proper or accurate point of view or the ability to, to see things. And Jesus wants to give you a, a, a new perspective, number one, about, your, about what you've done, about your past. We all got one, right? Some distant, some not so distant. And, and, and this is going to be really quick but incredibly sweet. Uh, understand, because Jesus makes all things new in Christ, this means that your past, your, your yesterday, your sins, your failures, your struggles no longer define and limit you. Jesus wants to give you a new perspective about what you've done, and it means, that, it means that your past, your yesterdays, your sins, your failures, your struggles, got any, well, they no longer define you, and they no longer limit you. Amen? And that's why we can say, like Paul, I, I focus on, on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is, is calling us heavenward. He also wants to give you a, a new perspective about, about who you are. There's this interesting encounter in John chapter 1 that, that I really never had seen before, not in the way I saw it a few weeks back, and a bunch of religious leaders, they come up to John the Baptist, they don't really like him a whole lot, and they start asking him questions, and, you know, who are you, and what do you say about yourself? And John says, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, John says, you know what, I say about me the very thing that God says about me. And listen, if you're in Christ, God has some amazing things to say about who you are. Listen, Jesus followers, this is true. 
You are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are more than a conqueror. You are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted by the sovereign king of the universe. I'm going to say that again. You are, if you're in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are forgiven in him. You are more than a conqueror. You are loved, you are chosen, and you are accepted by the sovereign king of the universe. Are you kidding me? That's who you are. We need that new perspective. And we need a new perspective, a new perspective about where we're going. You see, we're not staying here. At the end of Revelation in John chapter 21, we come to this description of heaven, of our yours and I, our ultimate destination. And John's like, Here, here's what it's going to be like one day. And, and John says, on, on that day, he, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making everything new. The old is gone and all things are new. Gone with the hospital waiting rooms. Gone with the tear-stained divorce papers and relational pain. Gone with the motionless ultrasounds. Gone with the foreclosure notices and pink slips. Gone with the wheelchairs and disabilities. Gone with the loneliness, the fear, and, and, and the insecurity. Gone with the abuse, the hatred, the anger, the discrimination, and the terrorism. Gone with the cancer and all the other diseases that ravage our body. It's gone. It's no more. Understand, the day is really coming in your future where Jesus Christ is going to put an end to it. Everything's going to be made new. See, one of the reasons we celebrate Easter is because it reminds us of our awesome guarantee forever. You, you see, see, as for, for us, you know, death, there's no period at the end of our death. It's, there's, a, there's a comma, right, that marks the beginning of a new life. He wants to give us a new perspective, believers, about, about what we've done, about who we are, about where we're going. He also wants to give us a, a, a new power. You know, I was thinking this week, what is the one thing that the resurrection gives us that all, makes all this newness of life possible? And the answer I came up with is through the resurrection, we get a new power. If you talk to people and you just ask them honestly how they're doing, you get past the, you know, the answer of fine, how are you? You find that most people would say, in not so many words, that they're tired, that they're exhausted, that they're worn out. Those are the words that most people would use, and I think our economy backs that up. I mean, look at how, look at how many hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on energy drinks, right? I mean, we have Starbucks, Red Bull, right? Monster, Rockstar, and five-hour energy drinks. The list is long. I got nothing against them. And maybe some of us should have had some this morning, right? I don't know. But for honest, we're, sometimes we're just trying to get it through. We're trying to get enough energy to make it through the day, right? To power up. But what I do know is that there is no formula that they've come up with that gives you the power to forgive the person who cheated you out of your childhood or out of your marriage or your innocence or out of your dreams. They don't have a drink for that. And there's no energy drink that gives you the power to stop, to stop drinking, to stop using, to stop lusting, to stop spending, to stop hating, to stop being angry and bitter. 
No, there's no drink that gives you the power to just get through, to get through the divorce, to get through the unemployment, or to get through the cancer. No, this world doesn't offer that kind of power to us. But Paul says because of the resurrection, there's a new power. Here's what Paul says. I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. Paul says, in other words, my, my prayer is not that you would, uh, my, my prayer is that you would know the power of the resurrection in your life now. Not one day, but now. Uh, Paul's prayer for us is that, not that we would just get through, not that we would just survive and cope and barely make it, but that we would experience the power of the resurrection in our life now. That our new life wouldn't just begin when we get to heaven, but our new life would begin now. That new would begin now. And listen, new can begin now because we have a new power. God has placed inside of us the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. I'm going to have you guys say, your line is lives in me. And kind of, if you're Jesus, of all, think about it. If, like if that is true, right? And the Bible says it's true. That the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. You ready for your line? The same power that conquered the grave. The same power that conquered the grave. The same power that conquered the grave. Are you kidding me? That's nuts. A new position, a new perspective, a new power, and a new purpose. And it doesn't matter what our education is. It doesn't matter what our job is. It doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. It, 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 it doesn't matter how many degrees we have, how old we are. Every single Jesus follower has the exact same purpose, right? What is that purpose? To join with God in redeeming mankind one life at a time and helping restore this broken, dark, hurting world. Is it? hurting and broken, absolutely, to everything that God wants it to be. We are called to be salt, to be light, and to redirect the eternities of lost people forever. That's our purpose. We say, I got no reason to get out of bed. I don't like my job. Yeah, but God has a bigger purpose. Join him in changing where people spend forever. Early yesterday morning, I, I was reading Luke chapter 24, and you know, I, I saw two two-word phrases that I thought were very appropriate. In Luke 24, 17, I saw these two words. Very sad. And that was the guys who were leaving Jerusalem thinking that Jesus was dead. If he's dead, it's very sad. But then in verse 51, I, I saw these words. Very happy. <laughs> very happy. And that came right after the, the disciples and even Thomas got to see Jesus and they knew that he was alive, and now they went from being very sad to very happy. And, and that's the resurrection. That's Easter. That's what Easter means, because Easter changes everything. And, 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 and here, here's my question as we, as we wrap up Easter 2015, right? What will be your response to Christ and his resurrection this Easter, right? We're all going to have one. And, and I think, you know, for some in this room, you know, it, it's time to deal with that position thing. It's time to deal with getting right with God. It's time to deal with, 
You know, if you've never been baptized into Christ, behind that screen we have a baptistry, and it's nice and warm right now, right? And you can go back in there. You know, when Peter preached the first gospel message, 3,000 people were, were baptized, and I don't think they had electricity to warm it up back then and, and stuff like that. But if you haven't dealt with that, man, no better way to celebrate Easter than baptism, right? We're buried with Christ, and we arise to live a new life. And, and, and if you are a Jesus follower, you know, I, I, I just want to, you know, challenge you to embrace the new perspective. I mean, really embrace it about what you've done, right? About you, who you are, right? You know, embrace the new perspective about where you're going. Man, you're going to, it's better than a trip to Europe, right? <laughs> yeah. You're in somewhere incredible forever. You know, tap into that new power. Quit trying to do it on your own. You, know, you can still drink your monster, drink your, co- your, your coffee, you know, but tap into that new power that helps you become the person that God wants you to be. And, and then maybe your response is to, you know, I really need to engage. I really need to engage in this mission of helping God bring back lost people to him one at a time. You know, if you have a decision to make, you can talk. You can come up front and talk to me. You know, if you're, you're I'll be up here after, you know, off to the side after service. You want to talk about you and God and how to get right with God. But, but it's time for us, right, to embrace this newness that is ours. And would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to be in your house, to be your people. We thank you that Jesus is alive and it changes everything. God, I pray for those who need to change the position. I, I, I pray for those who need to embrace that new perspective and to tap into that new power, to embrace that new purpose. And I pray that in everything we do, it's never about us and it's always about you, that it's only you, Jesus. It's all for you. I pray that in our lives that you will stand alone And that we'll stand amazed that a God like you would love us. God, just be with us as we worship right now. Amen.